you're not a victim. You're doing it. And when you're ready to wake up, you're going to wake up. Hello and welcome to the Humble You Podcast, where we talk all things mind, body, and life. And this podcast features a conversation with podcast host and intuitive guide, Nadia Last. She is here to discuss her story of finding her soul's purpose. Nadia hopes to help individuals set their souls aflame. In addition, she's hosting her own podcast called The Current, which has new episodes available each new and full moon. Nadia, between energy, astrology, and soul work, I'm very excited to get this conversation started. Welcome to the podcast. Damn, I should have you introduce me every single day. I want you to introduce me as I get out of bed. Like, here she is. Like, everybody rumble. <laughs> that was awesome. Oh, thank you so much. And I'm really excited for this because there's a lot of topics that I've dove into on my own. And I haven't spoke to many people about until I started this podcast journey. And you're speaking on a lot of different topics that I've really enjoyed, especially energy, especially the soul. Um, so we'll get into all this beautiful information that you've came to, but where I'm, where I'm really curious to start uh, for myself and people listening in is your childhood, where you began. So bring us up to speed to kind of what your childhood was like and, and, and what that story was. Let's do it. I actually just published a two-part episode on my podcast, finally telling my story from childhood onwards. So it feels energetically very correct that I'm going to be sharing that. I feel like I'm ready. I did my coming out party already. So <laughs> My name is Nadia. I was raised in the Midwest in Michigan. Uh, my dad is like born and raised in Michigan and my mom is a Middle Eastern immigrant. So I always had one foot in two worlds growing up in the Midwest. And I grew up in a very homogenous place. And also I grew up very religiously. So I, as of a month ago, actually just left the corporate world to start my soul work. As you said, it's, it feels very soul connected. And people mm. are like, this came out of left field. Did you grow up religiously? Like now that you're in this sort of spiritual space. And I grew up going to church two times a week, Wednesdays and Sundays. Wow. And from a very young age, I felt very spiritually connected. I wouldn't use these words growing up, but I felt like I was very spirit led. Like I, I do a lot of the practices that are in my current spiritual practice as a nine-year-old. I was like journaling every morning. I was talking to the Holy Spirit. I felt like I had a connection from a very young age to things unseen. And, you know, I think that my soul chose that family specifically. My family was a safe space for me to explore the esoteric and the divine, so to speak, from a young age. And then, you know, there are things that became less comfortable with Christianity, the, the religion that I was raised in. I think that the biggest issue that I took with it is that the answers existed outside of us. So I would have these like beautiful spiritual mystical experiences as a young kid. And then I would go to church and I'd have to learn from this book and this is the one way to do things. And I was very turned off by that. And also, you know, as a young girl, I grew up in a religion that was very patriarchal. So hmm. I think that was a big piece of it, too, that all of the leadership within church, uh, pastors, deacons were all men. So um, I think that spirituality, I honestly almost take issue with being part of the spirituality genre because I think that it's too limited. Like, it's just life. Hmm. And I think this is something that I want to dive into with you because my partner is one of the most spiritual people I know, but he's not into any of this stuff. He's not into human design. He's not into astrology. He's not into meditation. He just is really grounded in who he is. Mm. 
and he shows up in a very aware way in his life. He's like, what are the lessons and the patterns that I'm working through? What is my sole purpose? Like, what are the gifts that I have and what am I here to do? And he, he works for values outside of himself. Is he self-proclaimed spiritual? Absolutely not. But he's one of the most authentic and soul led people I know. So mm. that was a lot. <laughs> Where well, do we there. <laughs> it was a lot, but I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm listening to you talk and, and there's a lot of correlations between you and I. And then I'm like, wait a second, someone sent me to her. So, uh, you know, it, it's just the way that things work out. I knew there was a purpose for this conversation and I saw your highlights and, and I said it in the intro. And now you're just you're kind of just, uh, you know, keying the, the lock between this this conversation and, and why we're connected, because that's it right there. You really spoke on everything was that sense of spirituality not being this woo wooish thing. It's really this internal dive and it's an individual um, experience that doesn't need to be dogmated. That doesn't need to be outside of us. It's something that's in us and something that we all find in our own way, in our own path. So um, it's really, really interesting that, that you said that he was grounded in that spirituality in a sense. Um, where did he find that to, 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 to not lose this, this beautiful thing? Um, where did he find that in his life? Like, how did he come to those findings not being spiritually led in a sense by, um, you know, a community? It's such a good question. And I actually want to ask him that when he comes back from work later. <laughs> like, how did you? But from my peripheral perspective, I think that the way he was raised, his parents are just very accepting people. And mm. I've gotten to spend a lot of time with them over quarantine. And I think that I've seen their child rearing up close where they don't have the answers and they provide a lot of space to explore. And so my partner is super into software engineering and coding. And from a young age, like 10 years old and onward, he would just pull up in his room and his parents would be like, you do you like explore who you are. We are who we are. And you have come here to explore who you are, which I think is a really beautiful way to parent. Yes. And then Michigan I heard you sp speak on Michigan. So where in Michigan, I'm Are you from Michigan? I'm not from Michigan, but I used to work on TV as a meteorologist in Michigan for a CBS station. So I'm wondering if it was the same location. Maybe you saw me before. Probably. <laughs> I I'm look completely Rapids. different now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Okay, okay, okay. So I was in Lansing. Not not far off, actually. Not I did too a far. design reading for a woman this morning who was born in Lansing. Really? So. Yeah. Yeah. I've been over to Grand Rapids. You know what? It's a really nice community. It's like one of those coffee towns, you would call it, or coffee cities where everyone kind of goes around and gets along. Um, at least that's the, the, the image I got there. And I think there's a couple of publication companies in, in Grand Rapids. And there's a nice live music scene with some, some good cuisine, right? I believe. It's a really cute town. It I is. think that when I was growing up there, it felt a little bit stifling because everybody was Dutch and blonde and Christian and it felt a little bit homogenous. But since I've left, it's actually become annoyingly very trendy. Like mm. I had a beer for the first time there before it became trendy anywhere else in the coastal <laughs> market. So Grand Rapids is up and coming. It is. It is. Yeah, it has a nice little vibe to it. Um, really cool. So so through your journey now, you know, um, where did you come to this sense of spirituality with you and your soul? How did you get to your soul? What led you there? Mm, such a big question. So I left religion for a very long time in spirituality. I kind of felt like I believed in Santa Claus my whole life mm. when I started to become friends with people who were more agnostic and atheist. And I read the Bible cover to cover in high school because I went to such a religious high school. Bible was one of the classes on the curriculum. So I feel like after I read that, I was just like, 
this doesn't fully sit well with me. I, I think that even at that age, I knew that the answers were within. So I had a meandering path, went to college, um, and actually just like sort of worked my way up where I was like, okay, if there's nothing that exists outside of myself, what am I working for? And I think that if we don't have any spiritual values, it can get very easy to get sucked up in things that don't matter. So mm-hmm. for me, it was making money. I grew up in a lot of financial scarcity. So that became my next religion, so to speak, or thing outside of myself that I was working for. It mm-hmm. took the place of you know being spirit led, so to speak. And I did all the things. I climbed the ladder. I, I climbed the first ladder that was placed in front of me. I don't, I didn't even question it. I took my first job in advertising and I was like, well, this is a ladder. This is probably where I belong. And I just started climbing and climbing and climbing furiously, like fast and furiously. And I received on paper my dream job, the job that I always thought I wanted. And looking back at 26 years old, it was, it was kind of laughable. It was just a product marketing job at a tech company. But I got this job and I thought that it would make me so happy. It was everything that I had worked through college, through my young corporate career and onwards toward. And I walked into the building my first day of the job and it was like all the air left my lungs. Like it felt so energetically incorrect. Like Mm. this is every, it was like I reached the first threshold on this ladder that I was climbing and I looked around and I was like, oh my God, I'm on the wrong ladder. Yeah. Oh. (laughs) I don't like any of this, like this doesn't feel good. But then I got into this fight with my mind that was like, Nadia, no, like this is what you've been working so hard for. This is what you've always wanted. Like suppressing my body's natural response where it was like, mayday, mayday, this is not, this is not it. Um, and that is sort of what kickstarted my spiraling, my unraveling, my dark night of the soul, because I was like, I don't have any like, what, what is the reason for all of this? Why have I been working so hard? And it was at that point, you seem like you have a question. Oh, no, I'm just, just keep going. <laughs> you'll get, you'll hear it. <laughs> oh, man. It was at that point that I was like, it was difficult for me to motivate myself to get out of bed. You know, like all of the things that, like the wind under my sails that had carried me to that point in my life where it's like financial scarcity and wanting to prove myself to my superiors and all these proxies for true purpose were just like taken out from under me. Hmm. And I was like, I I don't know why I'm here. And I started to withdraw from social circles and, you know, my partner who I was with at at the time and I'm still with my current partner, he was like, are you okay? Something seems like it's happening with you. And I spent, I just intuitively knew that if the answers didn't exist outside of myself in these systems, like succeeding in school, succeeding quote unquote in the corporate world, then they must exist within me. Hmm. And I just spent all my free time journaling and sitting with my dog and trying to figure out like, why am I here? And I've heard that spiritual awakenings, and I'm using quotation marks again, Yeah, just realizing that there's something beyond just you usually happen from one of two ways. One is that you go through a horrible traumatic event that puts you on your ass and you're like, well, I have to turn to something beyond myself because this is so painful. And then the second is getting everything that you thought you always wanted and still being completely soul empty. And I was part of the latter camp. I feel kind of lucky that I, the first path seems a lot more painful. (laughs) 
but that was my journey into it. Yeah, and, and, and why you probably noticed me trying to hold my breath was, was the factor that I went through that same thing, that latter one, where I went on TV, I thought that was my childhood dream, and I'm like, still not happy. I'm like, what, what am I missing? Is really life this meaningless? And, um, you know, it's amazing how you're led back within. You know, I had those same thoughts when I was young, so I went to CCD, and I felt like I didn't feel some, something wasn't right, and I told my parents, like, I can't do that, and that was at a really young age, you know? And then I went back to the church, uh, after I left TV, thinking, you know, the non-Christian, the, the non-denominational Christianity was going to be that spirit that, that I felt within. I knew it was something. And then I went there, and I felt something, and then I lost it, and then I felt it again when I was taking walks in nature by myself. And I said, wait a second, this is a personal thing. This isn't um, somewhere I need to be. And And I love that you were able to sort of find that experience. I love that you described those two ways of, of, of kind of waking up in a sense, or at least knowing who you are. Um, they're interesting principles. Where did you, is that from a book or is that something you've learned or something you've came to? Because they're the only ways that I've noticed through this journey of talking to people. They're the only two ways that I've ever heard. Yeah. It's the only, I think that it's definitely identifying a pattern and I may have heard it somewhere. I feel like I'm always, now that I'm in this space, I'm like, I don't want this to end. So I'm yeah. always reading and watching and listening and learning. And, you know, it's actually a process of trying to close the aperture sometimes and just mm. listen to my own inner voice. But yeah, mm. I'm not sure. I think that it's definitely just pattern recognition because I've heard so many people's stories now of waking up that it's one of two. Well, are you familiar with alchemy? No. Okay. So alchemy is the, um, you know, the ancient sort of chemistry in a sense where they were oh, working with generally speaking. Huh? I thought that it was like an organization. Oh no, no. So do you know the science of alchemy? Yeah. Okay. So, so the transformations, the first step is always the blackness and the, the, the grado, you know, and then that's that what we're talking about here is, is that's the initial stage. And it's really interesting that, you know, in those alchemical texts, they were able to see some of these processes that go on in the psyche because we can't see the psyche and what's going on upstairs. You know, it's really this invisible thing and maybe not even upstairs, maybe throughout our whole body. I don't even want to really locate it just in one specific region. Um, and, and, and through it, you know, through alchemy and reading some of the texts, uh, Carl Jung, I'm sure you're familiar with that name. Um, he's really written a lot about the alchemical processes and how you could see it um, transmuting through in, in the mind and how to get through mental um, uh, transformation. So uh, I just saw that correlation. I think that's really beautiful that, you know, such a beautiful path to the soul starts at that dark moment. And I think to like ground it in very tangible things in your life, it's a death rebirth process. Like mm -hmm. you're talking about the void, the, the death, the you know, clearing away of something old. And that's what was happening in my life. And it sounds like you went through something similar where we were clearing away everything that we always thought we ever wanted. Mm. And it was so scary because our minds are like, wait, no, no, no. We want to hold on to this. The only thing that we've had. And really it's learned. It's such a spiritual process. It's so mystical because you have to trust, like your mind doesn't know what the next thing is going to be, but it's like winter making way for spring. Mm. Mm hmm. And in that alchemical process, they talk about the lead, that blackness, that darkness that you can't see through getting burnt to ash and it's lighter and you feel lighter through the process. And I felt so much lighter going through that journey over those years. Um, and I'm wondering if you've also felt that sort of lightness in you. Oh, I mean, I just cut off all my hair like three days ago, so I physically feel lighter, <laughs> but also 
there's it's beautiful they call it the dark night of the soul i think because the first time that alchemical or death rebirth process happens it's so scary and you feel so much darkness and it's because you haven't yet alchemized it into light so it's a really scary process but i think the lightness that you're talking about is like we're always going through these perpetual death rebirth cycles if we're sort of like awake in our lives and and you know striving towards growth and evolution and I've gotten to the point where I almost anticipate the darkness now because I'm like, ooh, something amazing is on the other side. Like, I have no idea who I'm going to be after these seasons. Mm. And it's learning. Even the feminine body goes through this monthly cycle of death rebirth. Yes, the um, moon too. Totally, the moon as well. So can you work with those cycles and know that you are not the season and every season has a way that it's moving you forward? Mm. And that's a, that's a, that's a powerful place to be. It's more of a place of presence and surrendering. Yes. Hmm. So, um, speaking of the moon and cycles and, and astrology, um, where did that play a factor in, in, in your growth and, and, and kind of, uh, you know, energies in a sense, uh, did you pick up astrology when you were younger? Was it an interest or was it something that kind of was brought onto you or, or, or given to you through this journey? Hmm. How did astrology even come into play? I think that as I was coming into, you know, the realization that the universe is magical and everything is interconnected and everything is energy, all of these sort of like underlying principles, the process felt very much like I, I was Harry Potter and I realized that I was a wizard. You know what I mean? <laughs> and at that point, I was like, I was just soaking up all the different modalities. And and it's truly just energy. Like that's the magic of the of the universe, that there are things that we cannot see, these forces at play that affect all of us. And help us progress. So I think astrology, I found this app called The Pattern. And if you haven't used it, it's amazing, super easy to download. And I was just obsessed with any system that could help articulate in the human language, the things that I was feeling. And in this app, it shows you, you know, like your energies at a high level, and also the transits. And I just thought it was fascinating that each of the transits that this app outlined, completely matched what I was going through in my life. And then I even went back in time and I was like, yep, that's spot on. Yep, that's spot on. Um, and I think the piece of astrology that I love most is that every full moon and every new moon is in a specific part, a specific sign. And so on my journey, I was actually harnessing it instead of like feeling completely out of control every day. I, I, basically like look up okay where are we astrologically how can i use this and harness it instead of fighting tooth and nail against this feeling that i'm feeling so as an example we just had the new moon in aquarius and holy shit mm. the energy of this new moon is just like so it's a blank slate and each of us the age of aquarius is demanding that we find more innovative ways in i'm seeing all these people on instagram being like down with instagram and things like clubhouse are coming up and yeah. there's just all of these different ways that each of us are being sort of like demanded to harness aquarian eccentric innovative individualistic energy to better the world it's also very humanitarian energy mm. Mm. And, and if you're not connected with yourself, you're not going to hear those quote unquote demands that you just spoke on. Right. Well, yeah, it's like, okay, if you feel this energy, this pressure to contribute in some individualistic way, and yet you're not aware of your unique gifts, you're going to come, you're going to be like, well, what do I do? Mm. And you could be, oh my God, this is such a beautiful topic that when you don't know, and you're not grounded in your lane, 
the things that come so naturally to you, you don't even realize they're your gifts. It almost takes other people to be like, you know, you're really good at that. You're really good at speaking. You should start a podcast. <laughs> and if you aren't grounded in your gifts, you're going to try to copy paste what other people are doing. You know, like who I did the same thing where I got a first kernel of truth that I meant to be guiding people. And I'm like, okay, great. Thank you, universe. Who can I copy? I was like, I'll become my therapist. She wrote one of my letters to get into grad school. I was like, great, copy, paste, go to the same school that she went to. And the reality is if it's our soul work, it has never existed before. This podcast that you've started has never existed before. Your expression of your soul's gifts is so unique to your incarnation. This body that you chose and these gifts that you chose during this lifetime. One outlet for them is weather, but another amazing outlet is this podcast. And your energy has a hundred million different outlets that you'll probably use in this lifetime. Mm -hmm. It's so beautiful. Well, thank you for that. Um, I am humble, though. Um, one thing I do want to bring up, though, is is this connection with self. It's it's not really you push a button and you're automatically connected to self. It takes a lot of work and a lot of this uh, tough just sitting around. You said asking. You're with your dog. Have you ever heard the term incubation? Mm -mm. Okay, so it's sort of like this ancient meditation of just stillness and just sitting with self and whatever comes up, you just got to sort of eat it up. And when you're eating up your own stuff, then that means you're not projecting it out in the world. So you're really helping the community out by this sense of what seems to be a little bit of a selfish or narcissistic way of kind of being in yourself. But through that, you're not now you know, causing damage to your neighbor in a sense, or, or putting your burdens on someone else to fix or to save. It's really this center of self. And I think this is really the, the new age in a sense with the age of Aquarius. What are your thoughts on some of these thoughts? I experience it as we each have our own responsibility, but I would actually reframe it as the gift of starting your day in your own energy. Hmm. Each of us has a blank slate every single morning when we wake up. We get to, before the world piles all of their stuff on us, all the societal expectations, the conditioning, the constant pings and demands from our family, from our work, from whatever else we do and show up in whatever ways we show up in the world, we start as us. So can we at least spend five minutes, if not an hour, just in our own energy? And I think that that's how I connect to incubation. And I also, I spend a lot of time spirit journaling and it's a practice that I learned from one of my teachers. She's an energy healer in the Bay area. And she said, start each day just by asking, literally writing, what does my spirit want me to know today? Yes. And in that simple call and response or question answer process, things come through me in the quiet of the morning before I'm expected to be anywhere or anyone that I'm not when I'm fully myself, I don't know who I connect to. Some days I connect with my higher self. Some days I connect with my guides. Some days I connect with some higher order wisdom that has no name. It's just, it's what I need to hear. And sometimes it's like, Nadia, stop nagging your partner. Like, <laughs> or Nadia, like, just go take a walk in nature. It's not so complicated. And I think that's what you're talking about, where it's like not projecting your stuff into the world. It's like, when I start in my own energy, and asking for higher order wisdom, I become a better person. Like, it's not me, but I'm calling in this energy to sort of like be with me throughout the rest of 
the day and in all my interactions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really speaking on that incubation to connect to that quote unquote spirit, higher self, order, energies. Everyone has a different oh, name, aliens. I mean, there's so many different names, but there's something going on there. You felt it, I felt it. And when you start talking to it and form a relationship with it, it sort of does speak to you. It speaks a lot more clarity in life. And I think it really helps one become present and in the moment um, and, and really gives you a good sense of meaning. Um, but but yeah, with, with with what I was speaking of was, let's say somebody has anger in them and they haven't worked through it, so they're projecting it out into the world. Now they're just throwing that anger out, but if they can internalize it and try to handle it on their own, um, then that anger is not now getting thrown out into the world. The same thing sort of with um, like that savior-esque. Like if someone's looking for someone to provide them the example, I love that you use that word example, provide that example and we're all looking up for an example to, to look up towards then we're going to miss our true example of, of what's within, you know, our true path and our true way. Um, so I think that's really important to find your own example. Yes. And I think with the anger, it's, it's beautiful because we all wake up on the wrong side of the bed some days. Mm. We just ground ourselves in that energy. Like I just feel angry today as a woman, I have one day a month or two days a month where I just call them my rage days. And can yes. we just, can we lean into it? And, you know, like I'll go on a hike in the woods and, scream it out if there's no one around but like, <laughs> can we lean into where we are and be accountable and grounded in our bodies because mm. it changes yeah yeah and it's a sense of uh, i yeah it's a sense of not respond i guess it's it's, it's self-respect in a sense yeah. it's just it's honoring what, the complex yeah. human body that we're we're in i yeah. cut you off what were you gonna say no, I was just going to say it's for the community. You know, it's not just for self. It's for the community, too. So the one thing about example, again, to hone in on this word that I love, um, your partner. So your partner, what I love is this sense of grounding. You know, when, what happens is sometimes when that thing speaks to us, it could get really spiritual to the sense where we start inflating a little bit. And we all have that sense of grounding, you know, and and you know what happens with inflation. So, um you know, this sense of grounding is really important and it's important for us helping others, you know, come to these or, or really guiding others in a sense, really standing next to somebody and helping them along their path um, with this sense of human design. How do you speak to somebody in, in this sense of, of, of human design? What is it if they're going towards it and how do they stay grounded in it without losing or inflating their self? Oh, and when you say inflating, are you saying the the very slippery slope that when you become spiritual or when you get in good shape or when you eat healthy, there's this tendency to be holier than thou or, you know, like righteous in your path? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Just inflated where you're kind of you lose yourself. You have this image of you and you think you're above people. And, and, and it's usually, you know, it comes crashing down at some point. Totally. And that's, it's funny because in my spirit journaling, I have humbling messages all the time. Literally the other day I wrote down, Nadia, sit down, be humble. Mm. <laughs> like, there's because we're human and, 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 you know, feeling holier than now, it's hilarious that you bring up my partner. You're very attuned because I'll get done with this beautiful morning meditation and I'll come out and he's playing video games. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you're not spirit. And he's like, Nadia, just because I play video games does not mean that I'm not attuned with who I am and aware of my path. And it's, it's funny because I think the spirituality space, and I will get to human design, but I think that this is an important piece that the spiritual space can so quickly become this club. 
in the same way that I felt like religion was a bit of a club growing up, like you sit like this and you act like this, otherwise you can't be with us. Mm. It's the same thing sometimes with spirituality. Like this is how we eat, this is how we talk, this is what we wear. And it's just not true. It isn't. Because um, your journey's been individual. And you yeah. know that sense, yeah. The spiritual journey is just a return and a remembrance mm. of who you are and why you uniquely chose this life, this family, these relationships, this location to specifically evolve your soul karmically. Mm. And you don't even have to be aware that you're a soul to be doing that, you know? Mm -hmm. But I will say human design for me has been such a helpful tool because I didn't have the same upbringing as my partner. I didn't know who I was for a very long time. And that's how I got so easily swept up in corporate stuff and things that weren't me. So what human design is, for those who haven't heard of it, it's a system that synthesizes a bunch of wisdom systems that have been used by human beings for centuries to better understand themselves. It's astrology, uh, the Kabbalah tree of life, the Hindu chakra system, the Chinese I Ching, the hexagrams, and then also some additional systems you have a question i love all these things these are all beautiful <laughs> systems i'm just wondering because these are all systems that uh, that jung writes about and he's like you know i'm a i'm a huge jungian um is he was he part of this human design he wasn't but he would love human design if he was alive when it was it was only founded in the 80s actually it was channeled very mystically by this man um, mm. who then ended up changing his name after he channeled it. It's like the, the wildest, strangest origin story. But basically what it is, is human beings have channeled each of these systems in different parts of the globe and they actually ladder up together. And you can use each of them as a different facet of understanding your energy. Mm. Like one example of how it takes each system and furthers it is astrology has the energy of a month. We're currently in Aquarius, we're about to be in Pisces. Human design, every couple of days, there's a different sort of like sub energy underneath it. So it's like the gate of transformation, which is the I Ching, the, the hexagram system. And it's like for two days and then it changes. So the calendar changes every one to two days. Hmm. Anyway, we're going pretty far into it. But basically at a, at a high level, human design says, this is your body. This is where you have access to your own energy. And this is where you take in energy from the world around you then these are your your gifts. These are the gifts that you're conscious of. These are the gifts that you're not conscious of. And woven together, this is the highest use of your gifts. We weave the top four gifts together in your human design chart, and it basically highlights your life path. And it wouldn't say, you know, you're going to start this podcast, like first you're going to start as a meteorologist and then start the podcast. Like it's not specific. It's like the highest expression of your unique energy. Hmm. Like as an example, the first sentence in my life theme is that your life theme is to describe everything that happens in your world and um, describe the processes of evolution and the underlying principles that play in our universe. And it's so beautiful because that that's like an esoteric way of describing the mission of, of my podcast. Hmm. So it's, it's an expression of my energy. And I'm fascinated by human design. I'd love to look up your chart eventually as well. <laughs> 
I actually had someone look it up. They said it was interesting. A lot of correlations. Um, maybe I'll send it to you. That'd be cool. Um, yeah. So is that is that what it, is it based off of your astrology chart and then based off of your astrology chart again, telling the energy of the time that you were born and location you were born? Is, yep. is, so is it's a natal it, system using your birth time, date, and location, and from that you basically get a map of your energies um, from each of those four systems plus additional information that was channeled. Uh, it's pretty wild, but basically there is always energy that's happening on the earth always. Um, and from the time that you're born and also three months before there's an imprint that's left basically energetically, and you will uniquely channel or manifest that energy based on who you are. It's really beautiful stuff. So you're working with individuals doing this. Do you have your own company through this? And, and if you do, uh, what's the name of it? I do. It's just Nadia Last LLC. Nadia okay. Last. I do human design readings, and okay. what they end up doing because I do such like deep coaching work. Is people mm. come for the human design, and they leave with an understanding of like where their soul is going. So it's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, when you get into that stuff, when you're when you're talking that deep, I mean, um, you're really going uh, under the surface, surface into the depths that you know. Um, it's it's really interesting what you can uncover in those places. What do you do with resistance? You know, this is a lot of darkish work at points. Um, you know, how do you handle resistance with a client? Do you um, do you offer anything? Do you offer uh, you know that that help, or do you let them kind of figure it out on their own? When you say resistance, do you mean resistance to human design specifically or resistance to looking at the, the patterns, the, the dysfunctional patterns that are prevalent in their life? Well, maybe resistance as in you providing information to them and they're not accepting it. Oh, such a beautiful question. I find that specifically with human design readings, it's such a mystical system that it's kind of like ayahuasca. It, it finds you when you're ready. So I feel very blessed. I don't go out of my way to market myself. My business has grown beautifully through word of mouth. And I find that people come to me when they're ready, when they're ready to look critically at their lives. I think it's very similar. I, I've actually never taken ayahuasca, but I've taken psychedelics. And it's, it's a similar thing where I feel like people who are truly ready to look at their life in a different way will find plant medicine. Hmm. Um, I feel like it's very similar with human design. And then when I get into a play, I'm not here to convince anybody of anything. I'm here to model my fullest expression and my soul work. And people sort of come to me when they're ready to do that. But if we uncover something, it's always an invitation. Hmm. So I was just working with a client yesterday who uncovered a really dysfunctional pattern with her mom and a difficult conversation that she knew that her soul needed to have to break generations of dysfunctional mother-daughter relationships and we got to the the root of this issue that's holding her back in so many areas of her life and she was like nadia i'm just the awareness itself that i have to have this conversation is beautiful i might not have it for another six to nine months i'm like listen you never have to have this conversation just uncovering it is an invitation in and of itself we get to choose and i don't think that we talk about that enough like we are co-creating our lives. We could choose to never grow at all during this lifetime. Our souls are just going to be a bit stunted in our evolution. That's okay. Um, so I, I hope that answers the question. It's like we each get to choose if and when we do the work. Yes. 
Yes. And you can go as far as you want to go. Like you're speaking when you're doing those meditations and you're saying, hey, you're playing video games, though he's grounded and he's still spiritual and he's not struggling and angry and throwing stuff at you. Um, he's, he's maybe not as connected to the depths, we'll call it, or the heights or whatever you want to call it, um, that, that maybe you're experiencing. And it's your choice on how much you want to experience and what you want to experience. And I think I'm into so many of these modalities because I felt what it is like to live so far out of alignment. I think mm. that my partner chose this path in which, it, and when I say choose, I feel like we each have a soul contract when we choose the bodies that we're in during this lifetime. So for him, he hasn't been super far out of alignment. So it's almost like a gift. I wish that I could spend more time playing video games maybe, but um, yeah, I. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it makes sense. It makes sense. It does make sense. And uh, what, what's not making sense is how fast this podcast is going. <laughs> um, we're, we're, we're moving along, and there's a lot of things that we've talked about. But uh, the one thing I'm curious about for you is is this sense of something pulling you along. Um, how does that feel? And what would you what would you say to that? Oh my God. It's funny because I feel like you can see in me what is in you as well. Yeah. It's like this invisible string and you're like, what? It, and before it was unhealthy ambition in my life. It was like I was striving. I was striving. I was trying to prove myself in some way. Now it's just it's such a different feeling, but it's the same thing that's ever been there. And in its highest expression, in this healthy expression now, it's like I feel like I, I'm here to do something. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I actually, this is such a beautiful philosophical question because I don't want to pressure myself. I don't want to, I don't want it to be ego driven. I don't want to be famous. I don't like, what am I striving for? But I do feel as though my, like I have a certain path. I don't even know what it is yet. I feel like I'm here for something and I'm just trying to show up as humbly as I can every day in my life and like answering the calls that are showing up. I think this podcast is one beautiful example of that. Hmm. Mm. You're speaking right to the heart. I'm, I'm sitting over here just smiling inside and out. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's something. It's something. And it's a beautiful expression to see it, it, you know, seeing someone like you who I've never spoken with having the same experience. And it's, it's probably interesting for you to feel this way because you probably grew up in the world and it was just like a normal world at one point. And looking back at your old self when you were ego-driven in that world, it was like, wow, like who, it, feel, it doesn't feel like it's you, like at all you anymore. Totally. I've Did actually, you, okay. I want to hear the question, but. <laughs> I was just going to ask if you gave yourself a new name or if that ever came up to your mind or anything, like you felt like a different person at all. It's such a, and it's exactly where I was going. The mantra that I keep repeating to myself is I allow myself to remain a mystery. Hmm. And truly allowing each of the phases of my life that feel so different and so disjointed and so not connected. It's like each of them served a purpose. And I know that I'm going to be a mystery to myself six months, a year from now, three years from now. Like I'm just allowing the continuous evolution and even if my life journey doesn't look as linear as say my partner's who was coding from the time he was 10 years old, <laughs> like it's beautiful. And it's actually a piece of human design. I have an open identity center. So I take in other people's identities. Mm. And I wonder if you have this as well, where you can stand in front of someone and feel where they're going. It's what makes you a great interviewer. And for me, it's like one of 
a big piece of my identity is seeing other people's souls and where they want to go. If I had a fixed identity, I wouldn't be able to take in their energies in such, in such a way. So I started to get more comfortable with, I don't have a fixed identity. I am very exploratory by nature. And I'm going to just lean into the fact that my soul chose this energy in this lifetime and just go on this wild adventure. Yeah, yeah. And with me, I'm wondering for you in this ego drive that we both had was because when I look back at it, it was like maybe I was just denying it. I didn't want to accept what was going on and where the, the world was pushing me or my spirit was pushing me or my inner world or my higher self was pushing me. So I was tr just driving against it and, it and it really was like this this force away from my true self that I was driving forward like an animal in a sense. Mm. I. I almost think that I was being protected during the years where everybody was motivated by money. I think that this sort of like Aquarian age that we're shifting into is much more innovative. It's taking all the things that we built when we were motivated solely by money hmm. and viewing it through the lens of how can we reshape them to better humanity? Yeah. That's the energy that we're moving into. So I almost feel like the universe was protecting me during those years where everybody was money motivated. And it's like, we're going to allow you to almost have like this these blinders on to, you know, to be okay during that time, such that when we shifted, it was like, okay, now it's so, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 It's like once the time shifted, now you're like, now you're connected with the spirit of the times in a sense. I feel like I was waking up from like hypnosis or something. I was yeah. like, what was I doing? <laughs> I love that. I love that. And, and, and there's definitely a shift going on in these times. And I think it really is like when I was thinking about it last night, I was saying how, um, you know, the, the, there's so many robots that can take place of some of these hard labor jobs that we were forced to do to build what we have and to innovate where we've gone. But now with so many robots, we can really reshape the world in a sense of allowing that to kind of take care of other things. But us all to kind of just live in peace and harmony. And I know it sounds a little goofy for those that, that are stuck in the corporate world or maybe, you know, um, not, not seeing that world yet, but it, it, there's a lot of things going on within a lot of individuals and it's happening on an individual basis, like myself, like you, where there's this, this drive and it's happening in a lot of younger people. I just had an interview earlier today, right before a podcast and I wasn't expecting it. And then I heard him starting to speak on it. And it was like this introspection that's built into people now um, that, that, that they're starting to take responsibility and handling some of their own psychological issues. And it's, and it's like this sort of self sacrifice for the, for the better of, of the community. And it, I think it's, I think it's a beautiful thing to see uh, what's going on in the world. Now that we kind of come towards the end of the podcast, I like to slow things down with a few questions and really get to see if we can get another side of you. And um, you're going to like this first question because I know that you love curiosity and mysteries. So what's one mystery in relation to mind, body, or life that you wish you could have the answer to if that was possible? Mm. I've been reading a lot about soulmates mm. and whether your soul actually sort of like splits itself and that's what soulmates are. It's like the rejoining of a soul. I know it's, it's a kind of an esoteric concept, but like, I'm actually really curious if there is one soulmate, if it's multiple soulmates, the whole concept of having a soulmate is fascinating to me. So mm. I never heard it in that first way, that split and reconnection. That's whoo. That could keep someone up at night. <laughs> really cool. All right, second question. You got a podcast. Um, you, you do have the podcast. Um, and it's, it's called The Current, right? 
Yep. So the current, um, you have the ability to get three guests, dead or alive, fiction or nonfiction. Who would they be? Oh my God. I mean, <laughs> it's funny because I've been uh, outreaching for interviews recently and I feel like I'm, I'm getting the people that I want to have onto the show, but I think anybody, <laughs> anybody, anybody who I find really fascinating. I love Esther Perel. I think that she's amazing. Um, Esther Perel is a marriage and family therapist and uh, she does a lot of work about eroticism and um, yeah, I just find her work really fascinating. Mm. I think Oprah would be phenomenal to have on the show because she led a lot of the spirituality stuff when it just wasn't popular and she was pandering to, you know, Midwestern moms in the nineties. So I'm just so curious about how she continued to sort of like push things forward. Mm. Um, yeah, I think the last person would be, maybe be the author, Michael Newton, who I'm reading his book right now called journey of souls. So I'm clearly very fascinated by souls right now. Yeah. <laughs> I think it would be awesome to have him on. <laughs> so beautiful. All right. Last question. Let's say you had the ability to time travel and knowing all you know now, you could travel back to a younger version of, of, of Nadia and, um, you know, one that was lost or, or, or confused or fearful. Uh, what would you tell yourself? Oh, my senior year of college, I was taking a class called Marriage 101 and it was led by a marriage and family therapy program. And I looked at the price. I love this class super into it. I was like, this is what I'm meant to be doing. And I looked at the price tag for this graduate program and my heart sank. It was like a six figure program and I was scared. And I wish that I could go back and tell myself, you don't necessarily need to go to school to learn what you already do. You already show up in your life as this person and you have likely already lived lifetimes as a healer. Trust yourself and trust your ability to be financially abundant. The yeah. rest will take care of itself. Sounds like something the soul would tell you. <laughs> My higher self for sure. Right? <laughs> That's so beautiful. Wow. So I'm sure some people are excited about this material. Maybe you want to do a little human design with you. Where could they find your material, uh, website or uh, social media? Yeah, uh, I love doing human design readings. I would be honored even to do one for you. It would be super fun to get into. They can find me at NadiaLast.com. And I'm also on Instagram at NadiaLast underscore because NadiaLast was taken. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I thank you so much for the story, your insights. It's, it's such a beautiful conversation. And I'm so grateful to have you on this podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. It was really a pleasure. Mm, much love.